Okay. Um, any questions? Okay, what's the first thing I asked you to do last night for homework? Well, I went. Write it down. Define uh, the limit for Yeah, Yes. Yeah, okay. So define the what moment? What is the most defining moment? Okay, we'll start with you. I asked, I asked the, uh, the group to several things to do last night, one of which is what is the defining moment of your life? Okay. Okay. The most defining event when I watched Mr. Pena interview on the London Real program, I realized that this is the right person to approach, to be mentored by. Then I decided to write him to know if this seminar fit for me or not. Because the website does not say clearly who's your market. In 2005, I saw the, the website. From the website, I understood that this is only for the owners, for the people who have money. Then when I back, I write you. I received a fast response, strong and tough. Then I decided this is the moment. Then I decided to come. Okay. The, the, the website is um, written the way it is, although it's much more sophisticated than it used to be, uh, which I'm not so sure is such a great thing, but, um, because we want you to <clears throat> we want to give you as much latitude as humanly possible so you can make your own decision. And for the serious people, uh, they write like you did. Not everybody writes, but most people write and they ask. And then we have a series of questions we send you back. Please answer these. And some of you ask, you know, do I qualify for the payment plan or do I qualify for the student plan, etc. Uh, and we write back and then uh, Vinica and Thelma uh, review these. Uh, and then uh, they, send, they send them to me. I may not comment on them, but they send them to me and I look at them. And then if I have any other questions, then I follow up and I say, okay, well, what about this? What about that? And, um, the, um, but very few people, we have a few, but very few people make a decision, okay, that's for me. Um, and, I, and, and quite frankly, that's unfortunate because even though your gut instincts, your gut, you should be led by your gut instincts. And, and, and many of you don't trust your gut instincts. And the reason why you don't trust your gut instincts is because you fuck stuff up. That's why. Okay? I tried this, I tried that, I've been married nine times, I can go on and on and on and on. Why you don't trust your gut instincts? Okay? And the, um, but, gut instincts from women are better than gut instincts from men. 98% of the time a woman's intuition is correct. We lesser humans, it's 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 not that it's not that accurate by any stretch of the imagination. It just isn't. And uh, now my gut instincts are pretty fucking good, uh, but I'm only at night, you know, 95% of the time I'm right. 95%. And so as I've told you a few times since you've been here, you're always hoping that you're the five that I'm wrong. Um, and. Um, so your defining moment uh, was uh, listening to London Real, and there's you know there's a number of you that are here because of London Real. 
to be specific, that, that <coughs> your response to me, with your answer, it was... Uh, okay, my response. That, yes. And Vedika always says, she says, why almost everybody that you respond to buys? Now, why do you think that is? Come on, brainstorm. I mean, geniuses, jelly brains. You're challenging them. It makes it real. Well, real both. I'm challenging them, and it makes it real. And again, don't attribute too much fucking Mother Teresa to me, but it makes it sound like I care. Fucking jerk. Eat shit. <laughs> Now, do I care or don't I care? That is the conundrum. That's the question. Some of you want to think, and some of you dipshits on YouTube want to think that I care. Well, you're never going to know unless you come. <laughs> but don't attribute too much to my life. I tell you, I don't like to be called an angel saint and stuff. I don't like that shit. Uh, there's not, you know, there's, there's nothing. Mother Teresa and I have virtually nothing in common. <laughs> nothing. She's Albanian. I can go on and on and on. She's this tall. I can go on. But the response, and, and, and it's not a made-up response, and we don't have pat responses. We don't have, it's not like a boilerplate. I mean, I answer them. And you normally can tell my answers because they're red font, large type, in between your own uh, sentences. Okay, that's good. Hans? When I started my own company in 2002. Okay, and, and, and that company did what? Or does what? I'm still doing the same, being construction. Okay. Um, I started off all alone, didn't know anything. Um, and I got 65 employees working. Buildings, houses, what? Yeah, residential. Okay. Uh, flats and houses, maybe. Uh -huh. Okay. You went up I, when you Actually, I should have started way earlier. I consider I worked five years as an employee. <laughs> I consider it a total waste of time. It's probably the five years I regret most of my life. I would never, ever do it again. But We live and learn. We live and learn. Shall we? Defining moment. When I was 20, I had been married. A couple years ago. <clears throat> yeah, 10. Uh, okay. So, uh, had kids, bought a house, new cars, pretty much the American dream, except for I wasn't happy. So I walked away from that marriage and started looking for answers. So, was my Okay. You're for, uh, divorce. Okay. Well, divorce is always a defining moment. I can speak for myself. It wasn't so defining for me because I was happily married till the day I got an email from my ex-wife, then my wife, that said, uh, I can't live like this anymore. I want a divorce. Two lines at midnight and an email. Was it because you were busy in the business? Yeah, well, that's, yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah. Plus, uh, I, uh, she, she wanted to be in Los Angeles and I didn't. You know, I had to be wherever I had to be. Divorce is always a defining moment, uh, and we've had plenty to come through here. Okay, Emil? Uh, up to uh, now, I don't feel like I've had any defining moments, uh, and I know this seminar will be a defining moment for me. Uh, but talking about relationships, and when my girl left me 
uh, <coughs> last year. Um, I think that's. Did she have blonde hair? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that was uh, defining for me. You would have had blonde hair kids for sure. <laughs> um, because I I grew stronger uh, like after I went through the process of all of that that comes with that and yeah. that that's a defining moment but not so big uh, because I don't know how in love I was with her uh, but yeah. yeah well when I just having returned from Scandinavia I mean everybody looked not everybody but they all looked like him blonde hair you know the girls are good looking blonde hair I mean uh, you know the Vikings did something right they did something right, uh, and uh, but uh, I, I won't say that's a puppy love, but your uh, love experience and the um, it doesn't take, it seem like it crushed you too much. Speaking of crush, Pablo, what's your defining moment? Um, series of events, uh, starting with the divorce, I got uh, delivered a, a message of divorce. And I, had well, I can see why somebody divorced you. Haven't spent a couple of days either, but go ahead. <laughs> um, and I had just been waiting. I had been doing the corporate grind, uh, waiting for a better time to to pull the plug and do my own thing, and, and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then, and then the, the divorce hits me, and um, I just realized that you know bad things happen when you wait. Great point. There's no good time to make a hard decision. There's, there's never a best time. If you wait for a best time, it's never going to be. And if you wait, normally when you wait, good things don't happen, bad things happen. Okay, so I started to pick up the pieces and, and just clean slate, uh, re rebuild, and I uh, cashed out uh, the savings, all the savings that I had, and started uh, a biz business okay. in uh, 2010. Christopher? So mine happened kind of in three parts. Uh, my junior year of college, I sailed around the world, uh, studied, saw a lot of different countries. Uh, that following summer, I uh, decided that no matter what, uh, if I had a good job offer, if I had a girlfriend, had a good apartment, whatever, that I would go to China as soon as I graduated. Uh, and a few weeks after I graduated, I had a one-way ticket to China, uh, 2,000 bucks in my pocket, and didn't know anybody. So. And you've been there seven years? Seven years. Okay. And you just got your second funding on your business, mm -hmm. second round of funding. Right. Okay. Um, that? Mine was like sort of two. So the first one was uh, leaving my, sort of like leaving, moving away from my family and away from the town, the town that I was in, which was kind of a small town where nothing was really happening, and moving to the city. Uh, and the second one was moving into the Rialto Towers, so that was the tallest building in the Southern Hemisphere and we took out an office next to like IBM and Google and we didn't have any money to pay for it, but it was like in Think and Grow Rich, it was like the burning of the ships and we were just like, okay, well now we're going to make money. And it really just put us outside of our comfort zone, so that was a big defining moment for me. And what did you used to listen to and what did Google and uh, your neighbours disagree about? I used to turn all your stuff. And, uh, all the QLA tapes. And uh, and a bunch of other stuff too, but your stuff was stuff we'd listen to in the office when we were working late late hours. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mine was when I met my spiritual mentor, who pretty much started 
I'm doing all the shit that my parents taught me and society taught me. So all the stuff we've been going through the last day and a half, I'm very familiar with. And what she just started taught, teaching me is just do before your mind corrupts, corrupts it. And that's why I'm here, basically. I saw London Real and I just, went, I just do, do it before. I think about it and spread shit, the shit out of it. Most of us, and you've heard me say this, you can either read books or take action. <clears throat> Most people on YouTube read a lot of books. That's great for the publishers and for the authors. God bless them. They make money. But most people that read books don't take action. I've told you about the 10 or less books that I've read, uh, and I've read uh, most of them two, three, four, five, six times. Um, but to take an action, and when I say, what's the best advice I've ever received? Just fucking do it. What's the best advice I've ever given? Just fucking do it. Okay, Simon? <clears throat> Leaving home, studying Shaolin, leaving Australia, starting my own company. Okay. And you're an Australian who lives in Indonesia, right? Correct. Okay, she's hot. Thanks, Dan. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Mines is about um, a case with which I dealt and Ordinarily, I think everyone here will know that um, there's privilege between clients. And oh, stop it, stop. Just tell the story. Uh, Dan, there'd been a new change in the law. And the change in the law was that the timetable set by the courts has to be rigidly followed. There's no more indulgence. If you <coughs> slip, then there are harsh penalties. And this law had just come in. It was completely fortuitous that the client walked through the door and said, My, um, those who are suing me for harassment... Um, they've slipped on the deadline by one day. I seized the opportunity thinking, well, there's been a change in the law. There's no case law on this, and this is my golden opportunity. So I, I prepared my case as thoroughly as I could. The reasons that were given at court for the, other, uh, for the slippage were that the other firm was a very small firm, they were only a day late, and that geographically they were far away from the court. Um, I've mentioned that there's been a sea change in the law, and really they should be struck out. Because they fail to respect the court's procedures. You mentioned earlier, being the plaintiff, they were the claimant in this case, so it was incumbent upon them to follow what the court had said. In this country, in, in England, sorry, there's a twin, a twin legal profession. They're barristers and solicitors. Solicitors, I'm a solicitor, are like general practitioners. You go to see them, they give you the pills, and try to solve the problem. If that doesn't work, you go to the operating theatre, which is a court, and their barristers represent you. This is a case in which I thought, I fancy this, and I, I think that I can um, really fight my client's corner. Um, the, other, the other party claimant was represented by a barrister, um, a very famous barrister, um, and he sort of marched into court thinking, are you going to be opposing this application? And I said, I was slightly taken aback by his sort of confidence, and I said, well, yes, I am. And he said, what are the reasons? And I said, they're in my skeleton argument. Um, and he'd sort of read them. And, um, I represented my client. The court was having none of it. I did feel for a while that the judge wanted to indulge them. But the judge had to retire. He came back in 15 minutes. Um, and after my relentless oratory, 
Um, you mean like right now? <laughs> <laughs> He's a fucking lawyer. I mean, what can I tell you? Okay, who was educated in the United States as well. Go ahead. What was daunting about it, Mr. Pettier, was the fact that um, it was only a small application, so there were barristers from other cases waiting to be heard. So I had these very senior barristers, and this sort of crummy little me, a solicitor, not even a barrister, sort of while uh, my presentation was being listened to. So I did feel an immense amount of pressure, but I, I fought and I was a real bulldog. Um, I'm in a court now. Huh? I feel that I'm out of a court. Yeah, okay. <laughs> We're going to dismiss this fucker here pretty soon. <laughs> the reason why I, it's a defining moment for me is because it was a new change in the law. There was no case law on this. Um, so you stuck your neck out. I stuck my neck out. Correct. Um, and uh, as a result, I published an article. I sought <coughs> my client's uh, consent, which is why I can talk about the case. Um, I published an article, and it was amazing. I mean, first of all, they accepted the article, which I didn't think they would. Um, they took my, uh, allowed me to publish my photograph, which I didn't think they would. Well, you could have done without your photograph. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you put, put Blondie in. Put Blondie instead. His photograph. Um, and I had all these unsolicited calls at the office. Business! Um, that's right. And my fellow partners, they were fearing... Praise Allah! Praise Allah! Those were my thoughts. Yeah, exactly. I know what your thoughts were. And I, my fellow partners were worried because they thought this chap, this partner's going to get poached now. Um, but I was reveling in this uh, new fame. You still are. Um, it still makes you feel good. It was a defining moment. I, I have to say, the phone calls there were only two or three, but each time I recount this experience, it feels like there were a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> um, the reason why it was a magical moment for me was because. It was a great case. Uh, the other side was so poor in the way they fought their client's uh, case. Um, the other side was a barrister, and I'd like to think that um, if, if it were a, a scuffle in the playground, I think it would be a bloody nose that I'd given. Um, but it wasn't. Um, the ease with which I got published and my newfound fame, um, that, that's why it was a defining moment. I'm looking to repeat. Uh, exactly, and the point is, and the takeaway I get from this is, these are all great defining moments, but you're gonna you these will these will pale in fucking complexion to about what you're about to do. These won't even be on you know, like I said in my last newsletter. I my my whole career is, is benchmarked from the last thirty years basically, and that, I don't understand that because I was a high performance person for a long long time, and basically I, I'm judged by eight or ten things I did. Okay, somewhat magical, but the your life going forward, these things that you talked about, you know, you'll always remember them, but they don't mean dick. Okay, so say it in English, not Russian or German, please. <laughs> I tried it. So my defining moment was when I finished my school in Germany. So I was 17 years old, and uh, I was really bad in the school. So I believe that. I believe that. So I got my resumes or CV, like we call it in Germany. So I'm trying to find a job because all my friends they got a job. So I was rejected like 30 times in the row. So, um, but I was the last one uh, for my friends that I didn't get a job. 
So then I decided to do something for myself and uh, I knew that I have to change something. So then I get to the business school and I end up um, the best um, in, the, in my class. After that I finished the university also, I was one of the best. And I got a really great job um, and I got the opportunity to work outside from Germany. I got some experience in the US, in London. And um, the defining or the most important thing for me was uh, if um, it's getting boring or it's getting uh, lazy, so I have to change something. And I have to start um, and do something new. And this, I guess, also the reason why I'm here, changed my life. Okay. Okay. Uh, my most defining moment was deciding after 15 years of working at a regional bank uh, resigning from my company, resigning from that company and starting my own firm, and then coming here to set the foundation for the future. Very good. Robert? From my point of view, this changes every time I look at it. And one thing is seeing the dead bodies of my parents, and another thing is uh, to see dreams come true that you feel you want to do that, and you do step by step by step, and you did it, and then you recognize that, and you see how easy it was, and that it was working. Operative word is easy. We'll get back to that. Go ahead. And that's magic. Okay. That's it. it is magic. And a year from now, when we're done with a year mentor program, I'm going to ask you the same question. And I guarantee you, these things you just said won't be on the list. There are very few guarantees in life and in the seminar, but that's one of them. Because I will beat you, kick you, spit on you, whatever I have to do. But these won't be on your list anymore. Because each one of you has within you a big result that you haven't found yet, you don't even know about. When we talk about goals in the next couple of days, we'll define those. We want to find the affirmations to go along with them, etc., etc. And I assure you that uh, these will pale off into complexion. Okay, YouTubers, we'll see you tonight.